0: All right. Back in and again, welcome back everyone to the TKW podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Anthony Corbo,
1: I'm Kyle Maggio,
0: and we're going to we're going to start off a little differently this week because as all of you and Kyle knows, uh we've had we've had a bit of an emergence. We've had uh, somebody has really started showing off a little bit, and that somebody, of course, is Kyle O'Quinn, Kyle O'Quinn. So, I'm going to hand it over to you, buddy. Let's start off with Kyle on Kyle this week.
1: I mean, it started with the the, the Kyle O'Quinn game uh, against the the Timberwolves. And it was, it was so odd because it was so unexpected because the game before that, he got absolutely decimated by Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota. And then you can call it fatigue. You can call it whatever you want. But whatever happened when they got back to the garden, that guy was playing like a man possessed. He was doing... All the capable basketball things we've assumed he was capable of doing, and he did it consistently.
0: Yeah, so taking a look at the box scores right now, we had on during the manhandling of the Knicks by Carl Anthony Towns, which we'll get back to in a little bit. But you're looking at Kyle Quinn with two points, uh, two assists, eight rebounds, and about 20 minutes of play. Four fouls.
1: Uh, four fouls as well.
0: And four fouls, four fouls. Which is important
1: right. to note because Towns got to the line 20 times in that game. <sighs>
0: My god. Okay. And uh, then jumping over to the next game, you're looking at uh same same Kyle Quinn just a different day with 20 points and 13 rebounds and two blocks. Two blocks. Same yet. amount of fouls, but two blocks. Yeah. But that's uh, in 31 minutes, too, so not quite. A little bit more spacing between those fouls. And uh, and then we take a look over at, let's see, Sacramento. How do you play? Sacramento, we're looking at eh, four points, nine rebounds. But only about 14 minutes, but Noah came back. Um, so what do you make of the game?
1: Which one? The Sacramento game?
0: What do you, well, what do you think about the, the Kyle Quinn game?
1: Oh, the Kylo quit. It was, it was fantastic. You know, because the other thing too, is I think every basketball fan has this sort of a uh, reaction when the bench guy goes off, but you, you root for the guy and, th- and we've been over this. And that's why it frustrates because I, I want to root for him. I want him to do well. And yet time and time again, he doesn't come through consistently, but that, that stretch there, I mean, it was, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I mean, he was just that working guys. He had a nose for the ball that game. I mean, he just kept like emerging out of scrums with the basketball in his hands. Like he was a fullback the way he was holding yeah. on to it. So he it, could probably play fullback. He could probably. He could absolutely. That man's built like a.
0: Yeah. But. Uh, so is this a one time thing? Is it just this game? Maybe we'll get one or two more of these this season? Or is this something he can build off of?
1: I don't know if it's one time, but he's just so damn inconsistent because now he, the thing is his game relies around it's not flashy it's just like hard work so then it bothers you when you're like okay well he worked hard against Carl anthony Towns of all people and he put up 20 and 13 so then it frustrates you when against even lesser teams or teams with lesser big men how come he can't do this more not 20 and 13 mind you but just like eight points eight rebounds consistently like something just remedial simple just how how is that not achievable I mean I don't just off of his track record I don't think it's going to carry over i I think the king's game he came back down to earth a little bit now granted boogie's like a different more physical monster down there so yeah but
0: did you see him block out boogie and then go right to the hole with it right afterwards just yes take the god like that's exactly what we've been talking about for weeks and exactly what we'll continue to talk about is just that play was he didn't even look like a person doing that He, he just looked like a monster and uh Yeah, and then you know nothing, nothing major though. That was like two of his four points right there was on that incredible play, and nothing else to help us out.
1: I mean, it's fair to we point out that what the Knicks are four and without Noah this year is that Mm -hmm. the stat they were four and I mean, they play they seem to play better with him now. I I'd like to look into the numbers a little bit more, and I was I was hoping we'd have more than four games without Noah to actually make a stance on, but I'd like to see. And I haven't taken a look at it, but O'Quinn's defensive numbers with and without Noah when he gets those 30 minutes as opposed to when he gets those 15 to 16 yeah. minutes a game. Because it's kind of hard hard to argue with the results here. I mean, he It appears that the team plays better in the four games without him, but I don't know. I mean, O'Quinn played well, but but also I liked what I saw for the rest of the bench as well, because Jennings has had a pretty good stretch here. It was a little bit more consistent. Yep. Kind of looks like he found his jump shot a little bit. Um, Kuz has been fan- uh, fantastic over the past what four games or so.
0: So is, uh, Yeah, but the thing with Kuz, I noticed... Which game was it? I was just taking a look at the uh, plus-minus numbers, and the whole thing is, like, the bench has been pretty consistent, but they were... They were really the weakness when it came to which one's this? The, the second Timberwolves game, uh, the one where O'Quinn and Holiday started. I'm looking at the numbers right now, and you had Brandon Jennings was a minus 11. He did have eight assists, though. Um, Billy was a minus 12. Uh, not too, too much impact for him. Sasha was a minus nine. Lance was a minus one. All the starters were plus by almost double digits. And then you look at Kuz, who was a minus nineteen, uh, worst of the team that game. So I'm, I think it may just play into a larger inconsistency that we're seeing here. I'm not expecting this bench to be great, you know, at the onset or even you know moving forward for, you know, consistent periods of time because I know that there's ten new players on this team. There's a bunch of rookies on this team, um, but yeah, it's it's just I'm a little. Still cautious that I'm not willing to really give this whole thing over to the bench yet or, you know, give them too much credit for it yet. Because they, without the starters keeping them alive at times, you know, they're, they've been pretty codependent on each other.
1: Right. And But one thing that I have, like, too, is that they've seemed to, in the past past week or so, they've seemed to actually, like, maybe learn to live up to their roles, I guess. Like, even when the shots aren't falling for Kuz, for example, or, you know, maybe he's getting lost a little bit defensively. Because, mind you, that game in Minnesota, he had 14 on five of nine shooting. He was a plus 17. And then Mm -hmm. the next game, which is the one you pointed out, it was a stark kind of contrast there to, to what he was in terms of plus minus. But I think what the point I'm trying to make is they've finally maybe grasped what their roles are, and maybe just in time, because Lance Thomas came back the other night. And, right. Lance Thomas and I was is going like,
0: to talk about him, too, because Lance Thomas came back the other day, played 17 minutes, but his minutes came at the expense of Kuz. Yeah. Uh, Kuz played not even four minutes that game and didn't really have much contributions other than hitting a three. But, um, yeah, it, it's everyone is starting to find their roles a little bit, but it's going to be that that two and that three spot that still kind of bother me. Um, I don't know if Lance is ready to prove that he's, you know, back and can is, you know, deserving of almost twenty minutes a game. Um, and I don't know what. Still, even though we're a quarter of the way through the season now, not entirely sure all the way what Kuz has in this tank. Um, and then just Justin Holiday and uh Sasha, the two are not anybody's ideal combination. No,
1: no, they're not. But. What we get back with Lance if nothing else is depth. Like his offense has been off since the preseason. We knew that, but we eventually later learned it was the planted fasciitis. He had a sore right ankle. Like there, there was some stuff going on. So hopefully we could chalk those injuries up to that. Hopefully he's finally healthy now. You know, he didn't really shoot great in his first game back either, but you know, he's really just there, kind of stretch the four a little bit, play some good defense, hustle. Yeah. So we, we got depth back, which is key, really, because. If you look at the inconsistencies with guys like Coos uh, and even Billy, they were playing kind of maybe a role that was too big for them too early. So at least with Lance... I think that's fair. Yeah, so at least with Lance back, they can kind of settle in. You know, they can not try to do too much when we're in those... Like, for example, Coos. We know Coos can shoot. Coos is out there for offense. Billy's out there for offense. Billy can't play defense yet. So if these guys are out there, they're trying to force a little bit more. And now in these limited opportunities... You know, we could actually have Lance steady the ship a little bit. These guys don't have to force to chuck things up just to get some offense going. So hopefully, hopefully things get a little smoother.
0: Hopefully things will get a little... I think they will too. I mean, now we're getting to... We have the 21st game of the season tonight. We're a quarter of the way through the season. So things should start ironing out pretty pretty soon. Um, But I did want to... Kind of take a look because you know Knicks went three and zero this week and it was a good you know good week for us but they were all pretty close games and I mean not the entire time through Their leads were fluctuating on both sides for a little bit but um you know I don't think any one of these games was decided by more than like four points um yeah I mean yes so it's like or Sacramento Knicks beat Sacramento by eight but still. They couldn't really stop Towns or Boogie. They didn't really have um, clear-cut answers for that, even with Noah back in the lineup. I um, wasn't expecting anything huge from him right away, but with Noah, and despite O'Quinn's performances, and you know, despite Billy's growth and anything like that, they what has to be done for them to be able to stop these intense offensive mastermind centers down low?
1: It's tough because it's like pick your poison, too, because um, I, I noted on the last pod how the old Dwight Howard defense used to be just let Dwight score 30 to 40 points and make sure the rest of his magic teammates don't chuck up threes. This was like back in the 9 run mm-hmm. for Orlando. Which
0: they kind of did a little bit with uh, with Sacramento the other day. Exactly. Boogie Boogie put up 30 shots in that
1: game. 30, and it, it was a lot. It looked like a lot. You know, sometimes people shoot thirty. Like Melo could shoot thirty, and it doesn't feel like thirty <laughs> anymore. But Buggy, I mean, he was just charging the lane, and um, yeah,
0: he only shot thirty percent. So
1: it, it was terrible. It was a terrible. He got to the line a lot, but it was a terrible percentage. And yeah, uh, I, I think that's sort of what you'd want to do. Because remember, in today's NBA too, there's a lot more threes. So there's a lot of guys who are going to be looking to shoot. Like even Minnesota, for example, that first game. Wiggins has been shooting really well from three this year, and Levine's a good shooter as well. And we basically kind of got off and running on them because we were able to hit some threes, and then Towns was just scoring twos. It was basically threes versus twos. So that's why he put up 47, and that should have been a blowout victory if they were able to close in the last four minutes. But, you know, whatever. But um, it just kind of speaks to... Again, the pick your poison, because Cat can go off, and we were still up double digits for most of that game. And he yeah. was just, you couldn't do anything to stop him, and Minnesota could not get the lead or come within 10. So that might have to be the strategy, if there's a guy who's playing that well, then like, hopefully your threes can outweigh his twos. around
0: him, yeah.
1: Yeah, just don't let the shooters get off, because, for example, I mean, if... Wiggins and uh, Levine in any of those last two games were shooting the way that they've shot the rest of the year. could have been trouble for us if cat wasn't going off.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely agree with that. And it's. Yeah, it, it's interesting because you never want to get scored on that bet. I mean, I think giving 47 up on any given day is going to be pretty embarrassing. But um, yeah, I, I think that that's a pretty fair strategy as long as the threes are still falling. I'm not entirely secure with this team and their three-point shooting at either though um i know we got kuz off the bench which could be a very uh useful weapon if lance thomas really starts you know usurping some of those minutes and um you know and you just have to pull kuz in for spot duty that could be powerful um you know you got sasha who for all he's worth can hit threes um and
1: lance can shoot too i mean Again, we, Lance could shoot. He did shoot over it at this. one point.
0: I don't know where, I don't know what happened, but. Well, um, it, it might be a
1: little bit of a regression too. Because remember last year he was close to what, 40%? 40, yeah. So before that, I think he didn't shoot anything better than 33. So I think he improved, but 40 maybe was a bit wild. So maybe what we're seeing a little is a little bit of regression. He might trend back towards like mid-30s. And even then, that's still league average. So that's not the worst yeah. thing.
0: That would be good with that. He'd be able to do that. It's just you know with him and like you know I'm not talking about shooting threes with Noah, but we just don't know what we're getting out of those two, and it's just not a large enough sample size to really um, show what they can be in the lineup. And that's what's kind of um, concerns me, I suppose. Really, just at the at this point in the season, like we're twenty about to be twenty one games in. I've been predicting thirty games is what it will take for the team to get it together if they're going to get it together. But with all these injuries and all the uh, the consistency that they're not getting, they haven't had any kind of consistency throughout the entire season because Rose missed the first couple of games, uh, or the preseason rather. And then, so they're trying to build off that, and then we have Lance going down, and then you have Noah going down, and then uh, just a bunch of players breaking out, players regressing, so... I'm hoping that it's going to be within the next two to three weeks or so that they can really pull all this together and we can find out find out finally who is going to have what role.
1: Yeah, I was and two things on that. Uh, first is Chris Tapps was the only real constant within the first. I mean, he didn't shoot well these last couple of games, which we'll get to. But uh, before that, he was kind of the only real constant because, I mean, even when he had an off night, it wasn't so much a bad shooting night, as much as it was, maybe he didn't get all the opportunities that he wanted. But, you know, Rose was up and down. Melo's been up and down. And those are the mm-hmm. guys, other guys we're going to lean on. And Chris Tapp seemed to, I mean, he's averaging 20-something points, 21, I think. So he was kind of the only guy to really lean on, because his efficiency was up as well. So, um, and, and the second thing, too, is, oh, man, what was it? Oh, I was oh. going to say the the strength of schedule. I was, mm-hmm. was going to say, uh, they're 11-9, and and right now they're tied for fifth in the East. I think we actually have it with the tiebreaker. But um, how much do we want to make up of them getting hot at the right time? Would we know that Sacramento, Sacramento, Minnesota has underachieved the whole year? And I, I looked at the strength of schedule numbers, and we're in the kind of bottom half of the league, so we have faced an easier schedule outside of a couple of playoff That's teams. That's
0: true. But I I think the thing with um, looking at the schedule, too, is that you have to remember what the Knicks are or who they were predicted to be, really. They were predicted to be right down there below with the Sacramentos, and they were predicted to be lower than Minnesota. And it's the fact that they're able to kind of show that they're on at least a little bit of an upper echelon from them, um, I think is really beneficial to their growth moving forward. Just adding chemistry and... um, you know, adding some confidence into the mix and showing that they're not one of the, you know, they're not a Sacramento. They're something a little bit more than that. We don't know quite what that'll be yet. But I think beating these teams early on will be, uh, will probably translate to a couple of later wins. Yeah. Um. So we kind of brushed on KP struggling offensively a little bit. It's been pretty good defensively. He had a double-double the other day, Uh, 14 rebounds. Um, I don't know. Did he is that his high? Has he scored more than that, or is he uh, b- gotten more rebounds than that?
1: Off the top of my head, it sounds like it's the high. Uh, I, so, I I know he's had. I think he had other double digit gains, but I, I don't think. I don't think it was fourteen. Um, so
0: yeah, so he's got. I guess working on his defense a little bit. That's coming at the uh, expense of some of the other rebounders on the team. But um, yeah, I guess you know how much yeah how much growth are we looking for him for defense or are we really just focusing on offense at this point with him
1: well no it's got to be all all around because that's kind of what made him the unicorn you know that's that's sort of his shtick i guess he's he's supposed to be or develop into uh, a rim protector to go along with his outstanding offensive prowess and the fact that uh you know he can hit the boards as well um One thing I noticed this year, as opposed to last year, too, was I think, and I don't have, I don't think the, the numbers show it, but I feel like he was more aggressive on the boards last year. I feel like whether it was something to prove or it just seemed like there was more aggression, whereas this year he still gets his rebounds, but I think it's mostly if the balls come to him because I've seen him get moved around a lot kind of pushed around a lot which is a concern from last year which we didn't see as much so i mean you can
0: even see it in the fact that there you know there hasn't been any of the crazy put back dunk highlights this year um which is what made everyone fall in love with him at the beginning of last season um yeah so i think probably i think a lot of that is working into new spacing and trying to find some uh you know the offense guiding around him a little bit more him trying to get spaced out a little bit more on the floor um but yeah, it's, 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 interesting. He doesn't see, he seems to be really focusing on that offense.
1: I mean, the one quote I like from him after the Sacramento game was obviously a shot wasn't falling. And I think uh, Reed actually noted that these were, cause I, I missed the game initially and Reed was talking about it and saying that these were mostly, you know, the same looks over the last couple of games that he's been getting the whole year. These were looks that he's been hitting these little, uh high post turnaround jump shots uh, right, right at, you know a couple feet off the block that little spinning shot he likes that usually the bank shot so these are shots that he's been comfortable with through the first 20 games or you know 19 games and then the last couple he's not shot well at all i mean i think over the last five games the only game he shot over fi- uh percent was the first game against minnesota when his 29 point effort kind of got dwarfed there by cat but mm-hmm. um
0: so what do I'm, you make of the matchup? By the way, what do you what do you make of the Carl Anthony Towns, Chris Sops, Porzingis matchup? I, I, is, are we looking at uh, you know Chamberlain Russell here, or I hope
1: so? But it's it's fun because they're so athletic and they like going at each other. That's what you saw in the last couple of games because Cat was trying to to yam it on him a few times. He was coming right at him, right down the paint. He was trying to dunk on him, and you know KP, pretty much every time if he didn't block it, he fouled him. So it, it was that's that's fun. That's you know two of the best young stars in the game going right at each other, and and it's yeah. I mean KP tried also I think, but he's a little bit less adept to going to the hoop, and it didn't work out as well for him. But
0: I think well I think you know I don't think anyone's really debating that Towns is at this point in his career. A little bit further ahead than Kristaps is, just kind of across the board. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of got his game figured out more so, and Kristaps is still trying to figure out little nuances to add in there. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 really hoping this one stays fun. I'm hoping they both stay with their teams for a while. Obviously, Kristaps, but uh, unless Towns wants to come to the Knicks, in that case, dude, hop on over. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm hoping this one lasts. We're am Hoping it's fun. I hope you get a little, you know uh, Wilt Russell or, uh, you know, magic bird or something in there. And, uh, I, I think that could keep people pretty inter- interested for a while, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about the, the shots not falling in. I'm hoping that just cause we know what a wall he hit last year. Um, and I'm hoping he doesn't try to pull himself out of it or he doesn't feel the pressure of it as much this year. Um, And, yeah, I hope he just keeps developing. Do you think there's any kind of wall coming from him at any point this season?
1: I I don't know if it'd be a wall. Maybe there's going to be several. And the the reason I'm going to say that is because um, initially that first week we were bitching pretty heavily about the fact that guys were just blatantly missing him. But he's getting pretty much every look that he wants now. I think we're getting greedy when he doesn't get every single look that he wants because, I mean— He's shooting close to 20 shots mm-hmm. a game now. So he's getting plenty of looks. He's getting plenty of looks. But um, I, I don't know. I just think this increased output here is probably going to wear him down a little bit. I, I think he's stronger, obviously, than in his rookie year. He, he's he gone through a full season. So I think, if anything, we're just going to see maybe some inconsistencies game to game, like like we saw in the last five or six. Maybe something like that, where he's just... You know, he carried a very big load that first 15 or 16 games. Mello was up and down. Rose was very yeah. up and down. So I, I think that's more of what we'll see. Maybe not like a rookie wall where it lasts, you know, 20 games or something like that. But maybe like, all right, five or six game where he's just a, a little bit off. And I think mm-hmm. we might see that a couple of times throughout the year.
0: He is playing, um, I think, six more minutes than last year per game. Yeah, he's up from 28.4 to 34.3. So... I, yeah he's gonna get worn down a little bit quicker. Um, but yeah I, I think he I think the good thing for him is that he's sound enough in what he's been working on like since his rookie year and like kind of getting acquainted with the team and figure out how his strengths are gonna play into the NBA and now he can really you know if he does hit that wall, if this kind of shooting slump continues for him for a little bit, I think he at least knows enough to work on other parts of his game. So that when it finally comes back, you know, he could be stronger defensively or he can be a better rebounder or something, Yeah. You know.
1: Well, that's what he quoted, actually, after the Sacramento game. He was saying, you know, if my offense isn't there, the one thing that is always there if you work hard enough is re- you're offering on the rebounds and defensively, and that's what he was trying to do. Now, I think he's kind of lacked that a lot more than we were used to seeing last year. So I'd like to see him, you know, have that mindset going forward for the rest of the ga- uh, games this year now, but... We'll see. I mean, that, just hearing that out of his mouth after this little poor offensive stretch was actually nice.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that's kind of what everyone's been craving to hear for a while. Just in the Carmelo Anthony era, the I think the mantra has been not just for him, but for the players that they surrounded him with is if you're not hitting your shots, just keep shooting and eventually you'll hit your shots. Shooters got to shoot. Yeah, she was gonna shoot. So having someone who's a little bit more versatile than that and knows he needs to work on other parts of his game to really get to where he needs to be, that's helpful. Yeah, that feels that's good to me. Um, how many games do you think Melo is gonna play this season?
1: How many games I think he'll play is less than what I'd hope he plays because he's he's stubborn as we've seen even in that lottery mm-hmm. year he mm-hmm. refused to get his surgery that we knew he needed in december until february until after the all-star yeah. game so um i'd argue that he's he's going to miss one or two here and there but he's probably going to end up playing upwards of 75 in my opinion
0: yeah i i think that i i think he'll be held to about about seventy, maybe sixty-five or so. I could see him dipping into the sixties if he wanted to this season, but I think it, it's more for him is like he wants to play every game. But I think he's starting to be a little bit more realistic as years go on about his body and just um, the fact that he has more to work with now. Yes, it's not you know it's not if Melo gets held out for a game we're going to be you know, blown out by thirty points. You know that's not Mellow's not the kind of player anymore who can hold your team who can carry your team that far like that anyway. And I think he's kind of being a little bit more realistic about that and knowing that he's got some serious weapons on that team if he can use them right. But, you know, that being said, I think he should probably try to stick in the 60s range. I would not be surprised if he dipped up into the 70s at all, though. Um, And I think that if this is a playoff team and they do, you know, make a strong push through the rest of the season, they can get one of those lower seeds. It's, it worries me how much he's going to put on himself during the regular season. It's kind of a catch-22, you know? It's like, if Melo doesn't play enough during the season, we're not going to make the playoffs. But if we make the playoffs, Mello's going to be too tired to do anything. So, take that as you will. Um, let's see. So, we've talked about how the Knicks have really struggled on the road. Um. It's been a little little up and down lately, but for a stretch of the season there they were real bad. And we know we got a little momentum on their side now, but we've got um a pretty pretty serious road trip coming up here. Um looking at the heat we got the heat playing at the heat tonight as this podcast is being recorded, so uh don't get really any insight on you guys for that. And then tomorrow they start things off at home versus the Cavs for that matchup or that rematch from the game the season opener. Then they start off on their West Coast road trip, which uh, this week will include Sacramento again, uh, the Lakers, and the Suns, and then the game after that would be the Warriors too. But uh, they're Jesus beatable Christ. games, but they are on the road, and I'm I'm a little concerned here.
1: I'm no, I'm very concerned. I'm with you, just because they haven't been good, and this is it's always a tough road trip, even if you're playing well, because this is. This isn't the rodeo road trip. I think the rodeo is uh, in Texas, but yeah. this this one is is still no good. You're going cross country, and mind you, we're we're going to play the Cavs, and that's going to be a hard game. Hopefully, we can stay hot enough and kind of ride this momentum out. Um, Cavs haven't been playing spectacular, but they're still the defending champ, so you know can't get your hopes up too high.
0: They'll be without Jr. tomorrow night, I'm assuming too. Which, uh, thank you to the basketball gods, Oof. really quick
1: because. For sure, it looked like an ACL. It absolutely looked like an ACL. I I
0: was not stoked on doing a whole season without J.R. Smith. We're we're only a quarter way into the season. It's too early for that.
1: Nope. Just the way it bent back, and he was crying, and then he tries to limp up court, and he's, like, falling over. It, It screamed ACL. It looked like ACL, and we got... Yeah. Not an ACL. We got day-to-day, which is fantastic. But
0: yeah, Which is really fantastic for us, too, because that means he misses the game versus us, and there's no real repercussions. You can kind of just wipe Bingo. our hands clean of that.
1: Bingo. Bingo. One man's trash. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Now, I'm worried. I'm worried, especially now we're going to get an angry boogie in Sacramento. He angry went 9 of 30. Bogey. Well, I mean, he's angry for two reasons. He's angry because he shot 9 of 30, and I'm sure he's going to be pissed because his boy... Matt Barnes is over here punching people in the club. In yeah, New York. I,
0: I was wondering whether we should even get into that, but it, it's—I don't know what's going on there. What's Matt Barnes? Come on, man, just be better. Just be better. We don't got to get too in depth. Just maybe don't don't choke women. That's probably a good start. And then yeah, that's that's probably a good start. And like, just just kind of. If you're going to try to live this kind of life or whatever, like you got to kind of differentiate the NBA life from whatever else you're trying to do. Like if you're trying to really like because your image needs some revamping, dude, like things haven't looked great for you. And I know you kind of thrive. I'm talking directly to Matt Barnes now at this point, but I know you kind of thrive on it. But uh, man, there's there's not all publicity is good publicity. No, he's he's a damn dear forty year old man. Years with old. The... I think he's dangerous. Uh, he's in probably in danger of uh, you know, losing at least some minutes. Maybe not a, a, you know his role on the team, but he's only got so much left in the tank. There, he's got to worry about this image a little bit. But whatever, man. I think his image is okay. He's got a man bun now, so he does have a man bun now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I I saw that. I was just reading the article about it. I saw that man bun. I was just like, everybody now. Everybody. Got <laughs> Spencer Hawes and Matt Barnes with man buns now. It's yeah. what a time. Um uh-huh. but anyway, my thoughts are this Cavs game is gonna be a really big one for us. If the Knicks can that's gonna be the momentum game, I think. If they play well and they win and they they and they win in a good fashion. You know, they don't have a 19-point lead and they give it up and then have to crawl their way you know, through to the finish. If they can, you know, play it... Even if they lose, I think, if they play a decent game of basketball and keep it pretty close, then I think that that's going to give them enough momentum to be able to face three teams who were... You know, you got Sacramento, the Lakers, and the Suns. The Lakers would be kind of hot. That's the game that I think they're going to have to prove themselves with again, too. But if you can beat the Cavs or you can get close to beating the Cavs, then... You know Sacramento and the Suns should be within within range at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, looking at it a little more in depth now, I, I'm less concerned with the Lakers game only because I think Russell's still out. I think um, he had he's that... back on
0: the court working out uh, pregame today, but okay. other than that, uh, he's still out for the time being. I I'd, I'd like
1: to imagine he's going to be out. Um, I think because he had that knee injection. And I I think the the timeline for that's a, a, about another week or so from when he got it I I think so I'd like to not see him if possible, yeah. But um, yeah, I mostly no crazy about swaggy the... plays either. No, no, he's out, and he's been one of the better shooters in the league this year. So, um, but about the Cavs game, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. They don't necessarily have to win this game; they have to lose good, and obviously, we'd like to see a win. Obviously, but if they lose good, if if we have a good competitive game, we lose by less than like six, seven points, and it, it's a hard fought game. It's never, there's no double digit leads. We're fighting the whole way. That's what matters, I, I think. At this point, you got to start sending a message. And especially, we've been a good home team. I think we're uh, nine and three at home, if I'm
0: remembering correctly. Something like that. It, it's been the road that's been getting us. but So
1: you got to have a good home game here you really do. You got added, this is the time to get the gaps too. We talked about JR's uh going to be missing. So um yeah, they can There's lose. opportunities. Yeah, yeah, they could lose just lose good. Because uh if we're if we want to be a playoff team, like that's why Derek Rose uh Kim Noah were brought over here. You really got to prove it this time and especially on the, right as we get to this long Western Conference road trip here. I mean, I'm not really the sun suck. I'm sorry. I, I want oh, Eric Bledsoe. Good. Someone's got to free Eric Bledsoe because it is just awful. I mean, he's been, he's been, I feel like he's been 22 years old, ready to blossom forever, and he's not 22 anymore. He's just kind of wasting away.
0: Yeah, I'm not super hot on Eric Bledsoe anymore. You know, it's just, he's just one of those guys that. I think they're going to play well in situations where he's not a star or doesn't have to be forced. Like if you were to go to any other team in the league that's kind of competing right now or at least trying to stay competitive, you know, there's no way he's getting the opportunity to say he is now. I don't know. I don't think that he's a great team player is what I mean to say.
1: It it appears so from the way that he's played at times, but I, I don't. I don't know what it is because I know a lot of guys are very high on Eric Bledsoe, especially on NBA Twitter, and and I was for a little while, and I and I think I stopped after they traded Isaiah Thomas away, yeah. and everyone assumed because Dragic and Bledsoe had success before Isaiah Thomas was brought in that Phoenix was going to go back to that and revert on that success that they had with Hornacek the year before, and uh, that yeah. didn't happen. That didn't happen at all, and uh, they I don't know they just never got better. Dragic got sent away to Miami and it was finally his team and, and nothing.
0: Yeah. That's kind of what killed them too. I don't know. And you know, of course I don't know anything about the situation itself, but you know, i I think about that drogic Bledsoe backcourt and it was really good for the time that they had it. They won like they won North of 45 games with them. Right. They they won
1: 48 games and missed the playoffs. I think it was three years ago.
0: I remember. So, you know, I don't know what the situation was like down there or anything like that, but, Something had to have forced Dragic out. You know that was that he was in playing probably the best basketball of his career, and probably in the best situation he had been in so far. I know um, he had a,
1: it was an issue with the ownership. I remember issue that. with the ownership. yeah. I remember that because they they were going at it publicly a little bit. They were barbing at each other, so it they it was a matter of time at that point.
0: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I just I don't know how much uh, Bledsoe really had anything to do with it or not, but. Yeah, you know, when you go through so many backcourt mates in such a small period of time it kind of it says something at least. Um yeah, but the the whole the whole thing with this this schedule is they have the Cavs, they have Sacramento, they have the Lakers, they have the Suns, and then they have the Warriors right after that too. And then they f- uh, they
1: finish up uh, in Denver.
0: And they finish up in Denver. So, Denver's a winnable game too. I mean, that's a little bit down the line, but they have a lot of road games. They are playing the Cavs at home and then four straight road games before they get to the Warriors. So, I mean, go 500. they, they don't have to beat the Warriors either. It just doesn't need to be what the Warriors did to the Pacers last night.
1: Right. You're right. You can't let like Clay have 60 in 30 minutes. Jesus Christ.
0: <sighs> My God.
1: <laughs> it, it, it sounds so, gross it sounds gross coming out of your mouth when you say it out loud yeah that, that clay can thompson we, had 60 points at 30 minutes it's disgusting
0: can we talk real quick though can we revisit something um both of these guys have had some huge uh some huge performances so far but if you had to go back you had to do it all over again uh kevin love or clay thompson <laughs> Oh. He has second chance at this. Now, I just want to remind everybody, too. Kevin Love scored 34 points in a quarter.
1: It's just it's only season. tough because if you asked me this last year, I probably wouldn't have thought twice when Clay, and I'd still probably lean Clay. Um, I just know this year, Kevin Love is, is probably playing the best basketball on both sides of the ball in his career. And uh, Clay, despite this recent eruption has not been fantastic defensively. We went from like underrating him. And then the next year he was like perfectly rated. And we're just like, this is a fantastic defender. Look at him. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, last year he like reverted and was like, I think he was like 42nd in shooting guards at uh in DRPM that, you know, real plus minus defensively. And this year I think he's even worse. So I don't want to get like lost in the stats and, and Clay still is fairly young but yeah I'd probably still go Clay and just
0: I mean I, that's the whole thing I'm looking at both these players and they're both playing non-ideal roles for their team or you know maybe for their team they're playing well but not their team isn't ideal for what they're built for you know they're both guys who are meant to score they're both guys who probably shouldn't be anything less than the second option um so they're both they're both sacrificing a little bit there so you know there's still some I guess potential in the tank. They're both kind of getting up there and into their prime, but they're you know they're not they're not exactly showing everything that they that they've done before in the past or anything right now. I don't know. I'd be interested. They're both playing monstrous, uh, you know, monstrous games at stretches right now, but if they can't keep their consistency up, I'd be interested to see if there's you know, not that that exact trade will be revisited, but if there's anything that might come about with those two names. Um, uh, re-
1: real quick before we uh, yeah. switch off of Clay I'm going to hold up to the camera here so you can see something that I wanted to laugh out loud at um, here is something that I just got sent and it is a picture of uh, Clay oh Thompson
0: my God.
1: superimposed on top of Volt Chamberlain holding the 100 sign only the 100 sign is no more and apparently he played 29 minutes last night not 30 to be exact so 60 Minus twenty nine, so sixty for the amount of points that he scored, minus twenty nine for the amount of minutes uh, that he played, and I'm sure you could see where this is going, but did they say eleven? It equaled thirty one. And uh <laughs> if if we're familiar with the with the numbers three and one, the next line of this sign now says we blew a three one lead. <laughs> so, so that made me I was hoping a it'd say bit.
0: something about uh eleven dribbles the entire game
1: no because that was also gross it that it doesn't make sense it just doesn't
0: i promise everyone i will include a picture or the exact picture that Kyle's talking about in the bio so you can all laugh with us um yeah that's 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 incredible 11 dribbles he scored 60 points and dribbled 11 times i score like 7 points and dribble about 60 times it's
1: yeah yeah no i i know i it, it hurts me physically that somebody's capable of doing this right now. I feel like uh, that meme with Alan from The Hangover with the numbers flying around his head, that's... that's <laughs> Just that, puzzled. That was me waking up this morning, but...
0: Yeah. Man, I don't know. I always just think back, man. If I could have gone pro, I could have gone pro...
1: I couldn't have gone pro, so... <laughs>
0: I couldn't have gone pro either. Um. Okay, so... It's kind of a kind of a special podcast right now because we're officially a uh, quarter of the way through the season. I think the Knicks are playing their twenty first game as we we're speaking, so um, pretty good first quarter. I'm surprised. Yeah. I I kind of I don't want to pop any champagne, but I might have a slice of cake or something later. Like, yeah, it's all
1: things considered because that that was a pretty rough start to the to the year as well, and yeah. two games over five hundred feels feels nice i know brian gibberman tweeted uh we haven't been two games over 500 incredibly since 2012 2013 which is the 54 season so uh
0: i'm i'm not amazed by that but you know i'm amazed i'm still a fan of this team um so you know we talked about kp possibly hitting a wall um do you think this team i kind of want to talk about the next 20 games here like let's let's break this whole season down into little more digest digestible bits. In the next twenty games, what do you think changes? Do we hit a wall? Do you, you know does this momentum go out the door? When would that happen? Or is it only going to get better? I don't know if
1: it's going to get better or worse. I think the better word is interesting because. Um, I know, for example, right now, despite his inconsistencies, Derrick Rose is now at his highest true shooting percentage since his 2011-2012 um, season. Really? So, yeah. Now, it's not the same true shooting, but it's the highest since then. So, now we're starting to get into the territory of he's playing better than he's played the last couple of years, despite the rough start to the year. So... Now, these next 20 games, what I'm most interested to see is consistency, especially out of him, because, like, we've kind of gone over a lot. You know, Melo right now has been very up and very down. KP has really been the only constant, and even when he's not playing particularly well, he still impacts the game pretty significantly somewhere else. So, for me, it's a matter of consistency and, and can we actually maintain where we're at, because... I don't think this is a 51 team and I don't think this is a team that's going to, you know, finish a a good amount of games over 500. They could. They could. But two, maybe five games over 500 is kind of, I think, optimal for where this team could end up. So over the next 20 games, I think you got to see 500 basketball, to be honest. I think you got to maintain. So basically, my question is, can Rose maintain this Improved level of efficiency and, and this improved uh, defensive effort. You know, can can that happen? Can we keep seeing some good bench minutes from a Kyle O'Quinn? Can Lance get back to his pre-injury form? So it, it's all about now. These guys got some games under their belt. Pretty much everyone except for Lance, everyone kind of knows what to what's expected out of them. Can we really see consistency? So,
0: well, the, that's the thing that kind of scares me a little bit. Is that. You know, Rose may be more efficient now than he's been since uh since you know twenty eleven, but that doesn't mean he's been consistent either. You know, that no. just means that some games he's playing really well and being really efficient, and some games he's playing piss poor. So that's what kind of that's why that's such a big question going forward. Is you know, can he? Maintain this level of efficiency and maybe doing it, uh, do it on a more consistent basis. Even if he's not necessarily as efficient, if he can just give us, you know, enough consistency on a you know week by week basis, that's that's more important than a game by game kind of thing to me. Um, but you know he is still a huge factor for the team, and it, it does worry me. And then it also starts to worry me, you know, if he does continue this up and down play he's been performing at right now, but manages to stay efficient. What do the Knicks do next? Is it is it time to shell out? Um, It's kind of a scary thought. You just don't quite know. There's so many different things that could... So many different directions that he and this team could go into uh, in just a, a 20-game span. I,
1: I think what it really comes down to for him is it's going to take to the end of the year. You, you don't want to extend him too early. Uh, if you... If you really, that's what kind of goes into these decisions is if you truly believe that this guy is going to be able to to take you somewhere in the next couple of years, you have to be willing to see how the rest of this year plays out. And I think the, the only reason, I don't want to re-sign him despite, I mean, uh, in spite of anything, if we have a 45-win a year, even a 50-win year, I, I really, I just, I prefer to not re-sign him, you know, keep the rest of the team intact and try to find a young guy try to woo, you know, drew Holiday away from New Orleans. Um that's how I would feel. But I wouldn't also blame Phil and the management if let's say he goes on to average 18, 19 points the rest of the year, maybe he starts shooting closer to 50%, you know, five assists, five rebounds, which is sort of where he's at except mm-hmm. he's at like 16 or 17 points and he's still kind of shooting not the greatest. So if he was averaging like 25 and 5, fairly efficient, and his defense went from league worst to close to average, maybe a little bit below, and we win 45, maybe 50 games. If they re-signed him at that point and it wasn't the longest term deal, if it was like a two-year, three-year deal, I'd get it. I wouldn't be happy about it, but I think I'd understand better. So
0: Yeah, it's just with him, you know, I, I don't... He could put up twenty five and five, and that would be fine. It's like you're saying I probably wouldn't look into or uh, be too high on resigning him because you know you just don't know how many you know how many thirty point performances are in there versus how many you know ten point performances in there, and how many thirty point performances from him are giving him a you know negative rating on the court, and how many are giving him a uh, you know positive. You just, his contributions are often so um so far away from the box score and his limit his limitations oftentimes don't show up in the box score and that's what's pretty scary about signing a player to that much money you know
1: well also don't forget um what i sent you guys in that chat the other day um i, I didn't get as much of a response <laughs> as i was hoping to get because i thought i found fa- i stumbled into some pretty good numbers i went down the rabbit hole on NBAStats.com. and um basically i found that uh, his home stats over the last like 11 games he's been a net positive of like four or five points like his defensive rating is actually pretty good at home I think it was like 10 it was like 106 107 and uh, his offensive rating was through the roof at home so he's playing really good basketball mostly on both ends at home and on the road it was like the complete uh, opposite he was shooting like I think the offensive rating was like 108 or 109 and his defensive Mm -hmm. rating was like 120 which made me want to throw up so basically like that's sort of where a lot of the inconsistencies are and then is it any is it any real coincidence that the Knicks are nine and three at home when a guy who plays and contributes as much as he contributes whether positive or negatively plays that well at home and they play as a team that poorly on the road and he plays that poorly on the road so yeah i don't
0: yeah it, it's it's going to be interesting to monitor just because and especially if you choose not to resign him to there's there's a definite risk in that too because then you just worry about you know how big how big of a piece of the chemistry is he right now and and will he become throughout the year and it's going to be you know is he is it worth it to dismantle that chemistry you know just to get rid of him it's it's a trust I,
1: thing too, because you don't know yeah. how much you, you can trust him right now.
0: Yeah, you just you just he's just got a lot of question marks still, and you know, I guess it's too early in the season to really know. Um but let's talk about some other things that might come up in the next twenty games or so. Um all right, let's just go down the list here. Do you see anybody getting injured? Do you or do you see a big injury coming up do you think that and how what kind of impact would that have on the team
1: i don't know if i see a a big injury but i think we're gonna start seeing little ticky tack things I, I think i mean we've already seen it with noah a little bit noah's been missing some time here yeah. and there but uh i actually
0: think noah will be better over the next, next couple of games i think geez, he's getting a lot out of his system i, I, think I he's mean he's gonna be a little bit more consistent on the court
1: could you be worse you know, yeah. I mean, he, he, it's. I mean, there's nowhere to go but up. I mean, he's been so bad outside I mean, of a couple nice passes court,
0: You know, I, I I think he's going to. I think he's working through some some stuff right now, but I think he he is going to get healthier. And I think that, I think he'll he'll start to work to get his groove back a little bit. I think he and Lantel start getting to something. They might even find they might even become like pretty good defensively when they're both out there together. But it's going to take time on that. I could start to see Mello um, starting to sit out a couple of games over the next couple of weeks too, um, but I, I think he's just going to start needing some rest. Um, I'm also kind of looking at you know some new additions to the team and like you know who they could call up from the D League or who they could sign, uh, who they could possibly trade for. Um, I know Randall's in the D league right now and there was a lot of buzz on him going into the season and Ron Baker hasn't really done much in the last few games. Um, I could definitely see a split, uh, a switch coming for those two in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you just got to give him a chance. And I yeah. think that's what it comes down to. You know, Ron, Ron had some time up here. He didn't get to see a lot of play. And and I think a lot of that had to do with Justin holiday playing pretty well, pretty consistently. Um, him and Jennings kind of took up most of those guard minutes, but I think you can never really have enough really solid point guard play. I think like what was Chicago? It was Chicago, like w- three years ago, two years ago, when well, they had Nate Robinson. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah. Remember yeah, they Rose had, like
0: was- Nate? They had uh, Rose was out. He Rose was out. They had like Nate. They had Heinrich.
1: Heinrich. They had. There was an- another guy. Uh- Jesus was- Christ, who was it?
0: Yeah, there was. There was you you know what game. I'm talking
1: about, though. They had yeah. they had competent guards. These weren't anybody spectacular at this point. Nate was just he he had a good run with them, but um, they just had uh, the 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 starter was Nate. He was playing well. Heinrich played well enough off the bench, and to back
0: Heinrich up, they had another sturdy guy. And did they were they both starting? Was it Nate and and Heinrich starting? possible. I don't remember that far back. I just I'm remember to, seeing both I'm just of them. i trying to see who is on the team at this point. Um oh, you know what's a fun fact too cuz now I'm looking at uh wow, this is, I'm looking at the 2012 roster and I think it was in the next year. But damn, I'm looking I'm seeing Kyle Corver on here. I forgot, he was there for a good period of time. Yeah, he was a good bull. Yeah, Boozer, uh, Ronnie Burr. Um but no, I was looking at the stats from the uh Minnesota game the other day. And you know that John Lucas III is still playing and he plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves right I now? Think,
1: I think that's what I was thinking of. I think I was thinking of John Lucas. Okay, did let's he...
0: see. I, I have this season up. I have the season that you were talking about right here. We have... uh, Oh, Lou Amundsen was playing for them for a little bit. But the... Uh, it was Marco Bellinelli. Um, who else did oh, that guard?
1: I love me some Marco. Yeah,
0: you know, Jimmy Butler was there. Um... Daquan Cook, who I don't really know too much about, uh, they'd rip, rip Hamilton, um, Kirk Heinrich, Nate Robinson, and then uh, Jeff Teague's brother Marcus. So, yeah, they and you know those are all guys who can shoot and step in and play a couple of different positions. But they were kind of this is about the same time when Phoenix was doing their two guard lineup with Hornacek with the two point guard lineup, and. I think they were kind of playing into that mold a little bit there and it it worked out for them. They were 45 wins that year.
1: Yeah. And the thing that I was, uh, the thing, the route, I guess I was taking here was Hornacek loves using these two guard lineups like we've been talking about. So obviously he plays Brandon Jennings a ton and we've seen Jennings in an all bench lineup. We've seen him run with the starters. We've seen him, him in roles in the starters. So, I think it'd be beneficial if if we're running that much, uh, that many sets with point guards out there. Why not bring Randall up? And I I don't know. Yeah, I, I think if we send Baker down or you know make Sasha inactive some games, or I think end out, uh, Endor's been inactive a little bit.
0: Yeah, he didn't you know, play the last game.
1: Yeah, I think just plug Randall in, see what you have. Let him play less than ten minutes a game. Just get out there, see if he can make any plays. Run him out with uh Jennings, maybe a guy who's going to facilitate a little bit more. See what happens. I, I, you never know what you really have with these D League guys until they get an opportunity. Sometimes you miss, sometimes you hit. So, yep. I'd like to Two see. Two situations
0: them come up. I'm keeping my eyes on um, going forward. It's probably going to be more than just the next 20 games. But um, the first one is pretty interesting because I have no idea how this could pan out or anything. But whatever is going on with Monte Yunus in, uh, in Houston. You know, he signed with Brooklyn. They matched his offer sheet. He didn't go in for the physical. You know, it doesn't seem like he's going to play for the Rockets. So the question is, what now? You know, are they just going to keep him in purgatory? Or, you know, I'm, I'm just... He's a name that I'm keeping my eye on. I don't know if there's any connection or except for Phil loving his Euro bigs. But um, I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on him because he could be a good addition to this team, I think, you know. Add a little bit of depth up front where they've been just terrible at times. No,
1: I I really do like him. I I'm con. I don't think we're gonna sign him because then-
0: I don't think so either. But it's just it's a situation I'm keeping an eye on.
1: No, absolutely. I I do think he's gonna get trapped into purgatory because that's it. It's it seems like it's a standoff now because it seemed like the Rockets were ready to let him go, and then he signed to Brooklyn. It's like okay, he's just gonna ride away on a lottery team. Just let him go. It's not a big deal and then that kind of matches off for which I, I don't really get why you do that unless you're being spiteful I, I, yeah,
0: that's, and then, so um, spite. Yeah. that's what And to then,
1: me. and then to kind of confirm our gut here that it was spite, you know, he has a, a physical for this now matched offer. And then he doesn't show up to, to his physical. So, um, it's just like this weird game of chicken now. And I, I think it will get a little bit ugly. Unfortunately, I, I, I don't like it. Um, I think maybe there's more to this that we don't know. Maybe he's got a little injury. Maybe there seems there's got to be a reason for why the Rockets would be acting yeah. like this. It's something I, doesn't I, add up.
0: Yeah, something doesn't add up. And I think this really just speaks to um, how badly restricted free agency re- needs to be revamped. I mean, guys I, get I locked in situations like this, it's just, you know. Hopefully, we see something with that in the new CBA. Yeah, um, a more likely scenario, or something that I could actually see possibly happening, would be uh, Nerlens Noel in uh, in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Sixers gotta offload some guys. So they're looking for trade partners. Uh, let's let's put a little something together here. Let's let's try to figure out if the Knicks have the pieces to make this work. Um, what do you think Noel is fetching on the market right now? Or what would he fetch?
1: It's I think it's tough because you have to consider where he'd be going, uh, where he's coming from in Philadelphia. And they're sort of in a transition with ownership now because they I think if this was hinky, we could have just been like, okay, we're going to toss him our first this season. We think we're going to be a playoff team. We think that's going to be a higher pick. We'll toss him our first, Um, you know, take back. Cous, maybe another young guy that you like and it's something like that and, and let him have his little assets with his young guys but but now they brought in Calangelo, which kind of says they want this team to compete and we've kind of seen that now they they lose but they play much harder you could argue they have like sergio rodriguez ursan Ilyasova, and beads back and playing out of his freaking mind so they actually have a competitive team. team but <laughs> big process and um I, I don't know. I, I think it, it's a matter of what Colangelo would want. And I think he'd want more of proven guys. So this is where I'll shamelessly plug in $72 million veteran Joakim Noah. And I, I'd, I'd hope that we could do like Joakim our first and take one of Kuz or Billy. I,
0: I agree with that. I think that would probably have to be the, um, the framework for that deal. Um, but salary wise, you know, I don't, I don't know if that quite matches up. Well, uh, probably I think, have to take back like Ily Sover or something with that.
1: I think it would, I think it would match up though because I think Noah's making more than Noel's making. I think yeah. Noel, if I'm not mistaken, is still on his rookie deal. Yeah, he is. So we, I don't think, would have to really take back much. It, it actually works out well. Now we might have to pay. Noel, or pick up an option for Noel, but um, I, I don't think it, it. There would be much of a change with um, who we'd have to take back or make the contracts work or the money work. I think it kind of works seamlessly because Philly has like nobody signed. Everyone's on short, cheap deals, so I think they'd be able to take that hit with Noah, and I think we'd be able to. I think we'd welcome that having a little more cap space and having a young guy. So oh,
0: yeah, it just makes more sense for this team, I would say. Um Okay, I'm trying to uh, trying to do this live as we speak right here. The problem that I'm looking at is Noah's not tradable until he's he's tradable in what's that seven, eight days. Um so that could that could work. He's making 17 million this season. Um, you're looking at Noel, who's making four, four about four, about four and a half, a little, a little bit less than that. So yeah, it, it certainly looks like it could happen. And Noel is on. Noel is a free agent at the end of the season, though. So um, well, that's when it gets tricky, a little bit more interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, because now you don't want to go throwing out a, a first round pick or maybe a promising young guy because. You could try to sign him in free agency anyway. Um, I don't know. I don't know because it obviously would be a, a dream scenario if we could somehow swipe him. We complain all the time that, you know, KP isn't ready for the five yet. He's not ready to take that bruising, beating down low. He's not the best rim protector yet. And you bring in a guy who is pretty much just a rim protector. So I think I think that'd be like a match made in heaven, but...
0: Yeah, maybe we can. Uh, maybe we can sell Kylo Quinn while he's hot.
1: Yeah, you uh, got to try, try to trade him mine because
0: right now, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Um, one last thing before we get out of here. Um, I just want to talk about because Hornacek's been you know really interesting to me this whole season. Um, I've been a huge fan of him as a coach. I, I, I don't think you're disagreeing with me here either. No. I like it. But um definitely not shy about playing Brandon Jennings. I saw like an article come out earlier this week and he was saying uh you know I knew there was going to be a big game for Brandon. I was telling my wife at breakfast like this is going to be a big game for him. He's got a lot of confidence in him and Brandon Jennings to me seems like the kind of guy who can really thrive when his coach believes in what he's doing. Um Yeah, do you do you see this being a continuing trend if we want we can just keep talking about these 20 games going forward but do you think uh, Jennings has his trust enough to uh, kind of work through a lot of the mistakes he's got out there, and uh, and that hornet's will keep on running with him?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so because it's it's a couple good points you made too. Because the last time we saw Brandon Jennings playing like really high level, you could even argue all star level basketball, was in Detroit when he had uh, Stan Van Gundy, and he was he seemed like he was a brand new player. He was tossing out dimes we've talked about this the, the 2020 games he had and um he played really really well uh, in that environment he had a coach who really believed in him wanted him to play a different style and it was an up-tempo fast pace and he was just he seemed unleashed it was fantastic and obviously he's had some troubles coming back from injury but I think yeah having a coach that believes in you like that and especially the fact that he's running him out in almost any kind of lineup, every lineup really, the two guard sets, the all bench sets with the starters like we were talking about. Um, I think you mix all those things together, and you mix the fact that this is his first like big opportunity since coming back from the injury. And I think we're going to start seeing some consistency out of him. I think that's why Hornacek is, is talking about him and using him like he is because he's still pretty young, and he seems to be in good shape. And he's obviously very unselfish when he's out there. So we have a coach who loves point guards, loves that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I don't, I'm very optimistic about Jennings the rest of the season. He's had some pretty good games as of late and he started the year pretty rocky. But I, yeah, I really do enjoy the way Hornacek's using him and I think it's going to really pay off as we get closer to the playoffs. I do.
0: Yeah, I agree with that too. I'm waiting... The hardest part about this whole thing is I'm just waiting to see who drops back down to earth first. You know, I'm waiting to see the stretch of bad games that Jennings is going to have, and I'm waiting to see the stretch of bad games that Rose is going to have, and just see trying to see, you know, how quick Hornacek might be to throw Jennings in Rose's place. I don't really know Hornacek's thoughts on Rose or his performance, or you know, if he has any thoughts on, uh, you know, Rose's role on the team. Um, obviously, it's going to be a large one, but. You know, whether that be with Brandon Jennings running next to him or, uh, you know, taking his place in the starting lineup for a little while, we don't know. But, it'll yeah, I, I'm glad to see sec with so much confidence in Brandon Jennings. He, he just strikes me as the kind of player who needs it. Um, and it just it does worry me a little bit, though. I don't want him to run him into the ground or stick with him for too long. And it becomes detrimental to the whole rest of the team because, you know, coaches are going to have their favorites. And sometimes it doesn't always work to the benefit of the team or the team's chemistry. But I mean, this, this team, you know, just kind of, you know, seeing that picture that came out of them all on the plane this week um and kind of when everyone on the team posted it on their Instagram, you know, this team just seems to like each other a lot more than teams have in the past. They haven't really faced too many uh, the struggles of the later in the season and, you know, crashing for a little bit, but, I think as long as Hornacek has confidence in Jennings and as long as the team keeps their confidence in Jennings, that we'll probably probably keep playing well. And I think he'll probably have the back of his team.
1: Yeah. And I think there is something to be said about the chemistry too, because you, you do have some fun guys in Kyle O'Quinn. Brandon Jennings is a bit of a jokester too. He, he's a fun guy to have. The young guys are obviously good friends already. KP, Willie, Kuz, like these guys all like each other. So yeah, I, I, I do think there's sort of a, there's a better camaraderie than we've seen in in recent years.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I think that's going to be huge, and I think that's what played a huge role. I'm not saying this team's going to be what that team was, but I think the camaraderie and the um, chemistry played a huge role in that 54 win team.
1: And real quick, before and, we wrap up, at this exact yeah. moment in time, going off of this 11 nine team and this momentum, where at this exact is at this exact moment do you have them finishing for the playoffs? Let's see.
0: Where do I have them playing, finishing for the playoffs right now? Right now. Remember, th-
1: remember they're fifth. Right now.
0: They are fifth, yeah. I see them. Who is not in the playoffs right now?
1: I know it's Miami. I think Detroit's missing out. Um, I have to check where. Let me see. I'd like to check where Milwaukee's at, too. Okay. Right now. First is Cleveland, then it's Toronto, Boston, Charlotte, Knicks, Bulls, Bucks, and the Pistons. So we're missing Indiana's ninth, Atlanta's tenth because they've fallen off since that hot start. Orlando um, and Washington are still kind of a train wreck. Miami seven and thirteen, then Brooklyn, then Philly.
0: I don't know why I'm kind of high on Miami but I could see them squeezing in for that uh, that eighth seed, maybe. I just felt I felt good about them at the beginning of the season. I'm still holding on to a little bit of hope. I hated um, it's, them. It, it's not going to happen, I'm pretty sure, but I'm, I'm, I, I, for some reason I'm a little optimistic about them. So I could see them squeezing in, and then ma- I don't think the Pacers are going to get in there. I think that they're far worse than anyone thought they were. Um, yeah, I
1: think I had them at like fourth or fifth, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I think everyone considered them at least in the top five. I think they've got a lot more to work through than everyone else thinks. So if I could see any of those teams getting back into the playoff race, it would probably be uh, Atlanta. And maybe just because I like to be different Miami, um, at the lowest, lowest, probably eighth seed for Miami. So I could probably, I would probably split the difference between the two and say that the Knicks are going to finish either in the sixth seed or the seventh seed. It depends on how good Atlanta ends up becoming, I would say. I, I think... That top a, four seems pretty solid to me. Like, that seems like the top four they'll probably maintain.
1: Yeah, and I actually wasn't very high on Charlotte, and, and I'm very ready to admit that I was wrong. I mean, they fell off a little bit here, but um, I'm very ready to admit that. Um, But I'd like to think the Knicks are going to finish no lower than sixth and no higher than... Ugh. You know, no lower than seventh, no higher than fifth, to be honest. I think yeah. at, at all I, costs, I think it's fair. you got to avoid Cleveland.
0: Yes. We can, We yes. cannot. That's, a, that's the biggest thing, too. Like, if you're going to get the, try for the eight seed, then you might as well just not even go for it. it you might as well just not get yeah. place.
1: You can't be in win-now mode make these wild trades just to end up getting just run over by Cleveland in the first round at all. Even Toronto, Toronto was a very good team and I know everyone gives them shit pretty much year after year for underachieving or what they think is underachieving, despite playing a very good Cleveland team. Um Toronto, their main guys typically the last two years have underperformed in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. a two versus seven matchup with them wouldn't be, the, I, I don't think we'd win, but it wouldn't be a sweep
0: I would I would not mind going toe to toe with any of uh any, Boston, of those players, Boston, any of those other teams
1: Boston they work hard they're well coached but they're not monsters Charlotte we've played already I yeah I mean it's I think really what it's going to come down to is we're going to end up playing one of Toronto or Boston and neither one of them terrified me but at least it's not Cleveland that's kind of what it comes down to
0: so um just wanted to give a quick update just because. There's two things I'm going to do right here. I want to check in on the Knicks game, and it's halftime. Um, Miami leads 54 to 53. Um, taking a look at just uh, jokim Noah in particular 11 minutes, eight points, and seven rebounds. Plus seven. Yeah. Four of, uh, four or five shooting. Not now, bad at all.
1: Which game was it that he had the great first half and the shit second half? Uh, that
0: was, um, it was at home. Um, yeah, it was it was whichever game he got benched for. I want to say maybe the Charlotte. Mavericks. The Mavericks. Oh, it was the Mavericks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had, um, he had like a
1: a litany of good passes in the first half, and then they just yeah. just nothing in the second half because he trailed off. So the reason say, why
0: the reason why I bring up Noah in particular, other than what we were talking about all day, is because I'm currently looking at our TKW fantasy rankings. Um, because man, am I stoked about our fantasy <laughs> rankings right now? Are you first, Anthony? Oh, I'm in first place. Oh, I'm in first place. I have, let's see, I'm I'm first in the first in the West over. Um, no, we're not in the same conference, but I currently have uh 35 wins, 18 losses, and one tie. Rocking the 657. I'm cool with that. On the other side, number one in the East, we have um a team by the name. And it's really funny because. The team name, my team name is Chris Smith, and the team that's winning in the East is named Earl Joseph Smith III. What is dead may never die. And Earl Joseph Smith III, also known as TKW uh, social editor Trey Teamer, also has a 35-18-1 record. So I can't wait till I go head-to-head with Trey. Uh, Uh, I I will say this,
1: I'm going head-to-head with him right now. And before this lead evaporates, um, Trey's getting fucking dunked on. I'm with six, (laughs) six, six, two and one right now over Earl Joseph Smith, the third. So probably won't last. But at this moment, suck it.
0: You're not doing you're not doing too bad yourself either. You're uh, I'm okay. I'm in third. I'm in third right now in the east. You know, just just rocking a little bit over 500, but just still, still plenty of season left to play. Yeah, so. um yeah any you have you pulled off any big trades or anything yet or
1: I am a historically timid fantasy trader uh Ooh. I I get attached to the guys I have and then I hold out hope that they're gonna just turn it on and uh oftentimes this doesn't happen and then I'm scared because I always feel like I'm giving up too much when I'm really never giving up that much so um no I have not
0: I pulled off one trade I'm pretty happy about it which one was this? I traded Goran Dragic and Dirk Nowitzki for a Mr. Kemba Walker.
1: That's an who, who did this trade with you?
0: Was it? Um, just that this guy, son know, of a bitch, Ty. This guy I know in Costa Rica. He, uh, he helped, oh, he man, that slippery son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you picked up Kyle Hill Quinn?
0: I did pick up Kylo O'Quinn. Yeah. Oh,
1: my God.
0: <laughs> it was after the <laughs> Kylo Quid game. Uh, that's fair. Kyle um, all right. So let's get out of here. Um, make sure you guys are all following us on Twitter and Facebook. That's uh, at the Knicks wall. And I don't really need to explain how Facebook works. Um, quick, quick things I've been forgetting to do with the last couple of weeks. But want to give a big shout out to uh, a group called Nada for the music that we have now. Um, I hope you guys have been enjoying that before and uh, before and after the show. But they really came through for us. And I really appreciate that. You can find some of their stuff at SoundCloud.com/nadaboys. Uh, that link's also going to be in the bio. And uh, yeah, make sure you guys are tuning into Nickswall.com. Uh, Nick Scalero had a piece go up about Clee Anthony early. One of the other D League guys we uh, didn't really get to talk about earlier um, that just went up uh, the other day. And then the very same guy who gave me Kemba Walker, Mr. Ty Jordan, uh, has got a piece coming up this Thursday about Melo's clutch capabilities. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of, I mean, we had that one game where he really sealed the deal against Charlotte, and hopefully we get a couple more good clutch Melo plays going forward. And then you guys know previews and recaps before and after every game. You got anything else?
1: No, no, it was good.
0: that's about that then alright TKW Podcast out alright take it easy